Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commissions family, what's up team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Today's guest brings 25 years of experience in the sales industry. I say even over 25 years of experience. Let me tell you about Lon Graham. Lon is a sales and motivation speaker, sales consultant, a leading sales authority. As an award-winning sales and leadership professional, he draws on over 25 years of experience industry representing global brands such as Arthrex, Novartis, United Airlines, and Six Flag, Six Flag Things Park. He goes by the mantra of informing, inspiring, and instructing your sales team to how to get what they really want in sales. And his philosophies of unit combination of principles are, de- are derived from storytelling, humor, and his background in athletic coaching. Lon, welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Anthony. It's great to be here. Glad to have you here, buddy. So, Lon, let, let's, let's jump in this thing here. The world of sales, right? You have over 25 years of experience. How sales started and where we're at today, would you agree it's a different environment? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it absolutely is. And it's gone from being more of a push to your client, you know, kind of, okay, this is what I have to offer. This is what you need to more of an engaging process. And I think the most successful salespeople now are those that can work with their clients. You know, I, I'm glad you said that because I have said on air that this this high pressure, hardcore, pushy mentality is is, is essentially dying. It's 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 not as attractive anymore. Our consumers are smarter today than they've ever been before. So, how does a sales professional really adapt in this modern day of selling? Right? If and and I I joke because I think the very first sales book I've ever read was Zig Ziglar's Secrets to Closing the Sale. And I read the book nearly 20 years ago. Um, and I remember, you know, my career was 20 years ago of selling in this high-pressure, hardcore closing. It doesn't quite work for me this way. Uh, so I'm curious on your thoughts. How does a sales professional go from the, the, the mantra of always be closing and switching that to let me, let me, let me adapt to what my consumer is expecting? Well, it's interesting, Anthony, you talk about Zig Ziglar's sales book. I think anybody who's been in sales for more than five minutes and hasn't read it is really you know, doing themselves a disservice. But even 20 years ago, he talked about people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And really, it's about identifying who your client is, what they're trying to accomplish. And my focus, and I know um, some of your experience, too, is, is working with sales professionals that it's a recurring sale, right, where you continue to work with your client. And if you don't can develop an understanding of your client and what your client's trying to accomplish, your client's not going to want to buy from you because you're not helping advance their business. And really, you know, the philosophy that I've always had is, is that we advance our businesses together. So the more we can help them be 
help their business be productive and profitable, the more they're going to buy from me. And the more they buy from me, the better my business is. Does that make sense? Uh, it makes total sense. I mean, it is, it is taking that approach from the eye focus of sales professionals, right? We all want commissionable dollars. I mean, the show's name's Catapults and Commissions. We all want to make money, but we have to change that focus from saying, okay, what's what's the best thing in it for me to what's the best thing in it for my consumer? Um, you know, in, in that process of, of trying to adapt, what are some of the mistakes that sales professionals are making today when they're saying, okay, I mean, because there, there has to be some sort of balance of I'm here to help you, but I'm also here to influence and close the sale. So what are the mistakes that people are making in this process? Well, and, and I focus more on the, the recurring sale, that long-term relationship and that long-term benefit. And, and because of that, I think it really is important to understand who your client is and what, and what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish. I think the mistakes that people make is, is they try and solve problems before they know what those problems are. And, you know, there's this, there's this concept of, of trust in, in sales and the sales process and salespeople. And I think, you know, like any industry, there's going to be some bad characters, and we tend to focus on those bad characters. But there's two statistics that I had that have resonated with me for over 15 years, and they've been the same for over 15 years within a point or two. One statistic is, is every year a third of the sales force leaves and a third of the sales force is new. So that means that there's a high level of turnover in sales. The second statistic is, and this one is, if you break, if you dig into it a little bit, it really is almost scary, is the second statistic is, is that the average salesperson's tenure is a year and a half. And, you know, for the last 10 to 15 years, it's been the same. It could be, you know, 1.4 years or 1.6 years, but... It's, it's about a year and a half. And so here's what that means when you look into that number, Anthony. You have been in sales for over 10 years. I've been in sales for over 10 years. And so if you take 10 people and one person has been in sales over 10 years, that means the other nine have been in sales less than a year. And so it's that whole concept of can your client trust you? Well, your client doesn't know if they can trust you because they don't know you and they don't know if you're coming back. Like if people keep turning over, you know, they've got, they're focused on their business. So if you're not spending time getting to know your client, they're going to have no interest in getting to know you. And if you're not spending time getting to know their business, they've got no interest in you being in their business. So you've got to get to know them before they care about you. And then when you do care about them and get to know them and start to demonstrate some credibility, then they're going to want you there and they're going to invite you to come back and they're going to want you to be a part of their business. You know, that, that one, the statistics you just shared are incredibly insightful, right? As you know, the Catapultic Commissions family has sales managers and sales leaders who listen to the show. And, you know, I always look at it and say, okay, you, you said one third is turning over. One third is new. And I would always add, there's another third that's already interviewing somewhere else. Like there's somebody already looking for somewhere else within, within a different company. Um, so the constant revolving door or the the lack of tenure in the sales industry does present that challenge where, you know, can I trust you? Are you going to be here? Are you going to do what you're going to say you're going to do? Um, I, I think that is a huge, huge uh, challenge. So on that flip side, 
you know, you and I are on, the, on that tenured side, so it's natural for people to, okay, I'm going to trust that Lon's going to do what he says he's going to do. I'm going to trust Lon has the best interest for me in mind because he knows the longevity of our relationship, our business, right? Uh, you know, you, you focus on that business recurring revenue. So let's go to that new person that falls into that. So there's a new person yeah. here that, that's coming into sales and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to join XYZ company and I'm going to work on this complex enterprise sale that is a recurring revenue myth model. So I want this person to continue to renew with me. I want this person to continue to bring me new business. How do they accelerate that trust factor when they can't make up for the time? Right. Well, I think that, I think there's a couple of things. And regardless of what you're selling, whether you're selling a product or whether you're selling a service or whether you're selling, you know, something in between, maybe a combination of both, you've got to develop and understand a baseline level of knowledge of your product. So you've got to get that. But I think the new person needs to spend as much time learning about their client uh, or their potential client as they do about their product, because how does how do they know how that product fits into their client's business if they don't know about their client or their business. And if they can at least walk in and connect with their client about something, like to show that I'm interested enough in you. And I think you talked about it a little on, on one of your uh, blog posts not too long ago, is about don't ask about information that's readily available to research. You know, walk in there with something that you know about your client that's gonna to demonstrate to them that you care enough about them to find out about them before you get there. And, and in that doing that, yeah, makes makes total sense, right? You're, 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 you're shortening that curve by showing a, a high level of, of acumen towards caring about your, your consult, like your customer's business, whether it's a service, whether it's a product, something to that effect of saying, I care enough about your business that I'm gonna do the research, I'm gonna treat you with the utmost respect. So I think Catapult Commission's family, where Lon's going with this is simply saying, look, you know, don't allow our own limiting beliefs that I can't become a trustworthy person just because I'm new. Like that's something that salespeople think. Um, I always look at it from the aspect of, and, I, and I've done this, when I'm field training somebody or I'm training somebody who's new and they're shadowing me or watching me in a sales process, I tell them, I said, this person has no idea. And I, and I actually enjoy it when they're completely unsolicited calls or people don't know me. It's I'm like, this person has no idea about who I am, my background, my resume. They, they, they don't know crap. Right. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do our best sales process this time. And you'll see it. And, and I love it. One, because the new people see it and they're like, oh, my goodness, you know, you, you follow you follow the program. But two, if if I get told no or if I get told, hey, this is not the right time, it builds that confidence that, you know, not every salesperson is a superhero. We're really good at telling all the times we succeed. Every and, <laughs> right. and, and I mean, I'm, I'm going, I think this is the 150th episode we've recorded on Catapults and Commissions. I have right. talked with salespeople all around the world and everyone's really good about here's where I've succeeded. We all don't like right. to brag about the failures we have, but we are who <laughs> we are because we've overcome some of those failures. So. You know, I, I look at sales professionals when they go and they want to sell something and they want to hit right. their sales goal and they want to they want to excel in in this sales process. One of the things that you, you've mentioned a couple of times is building, building a relationship, building credibility. Is there a framework you teach for like a discovery process or how to get your customer comfortable to disclose some of that information to you? Well, I think, you know, one of the things I, I used to talk about um, with new people that I would hire is develop a set of interview questions. And there's, you know, there's three questions that I love 
when you get to talk to somebody new, whether it's an ideal client or a new client. And, and it's really getting them to talk about themselves in a way that they're going to want to talk about themselves. And one question I, that I like to ask is, what do you do best? Like, what is it that you do best that you are proudest of or that you're most skilled at or that you do best as in your business, right? As a as my potential client, what do you do best? Because it helps me understand what you're paying attention to and what you focus on. Second thing I ask is, is who's your ideal client? Who is your ideal client? Who, and that your, your client could be uh, a business that's selling a product. Your client could be an HR professional, but everybody's got an ideal client, somebody that they work with. That's the best person and the ideal person for them to work with. And then the last question that I love to ask is, is can you tell me a story about a time where you worked with somebody and when you were done working with that person at the end, you stopped, took a deep breath and said, that's why I do what I do. And that question, as you're, and you know the power of storytelling, Anthony, because you've done some speaking before too. When a person's telling you a story that, about something that they've accomplished that excites them, they start to relive that experience and they start to feel good and, re and and feel, you know, energized. Well, you're getting them to feel energized. So they're going to start to have an affinity for you. And, you know, we talked about Zig Ziglar. There's a quote that I love by Maya Angelou that says, people will remember how you make them feel, right? And it's, that's icky or good. It, they're going to remember what you made them feel like. So if you can make them feel good about themselves, they're going to remember that and they're going to want you to come back because they're going to like you being around. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the, that my answer to the quote I've heard before, I love the series of three questions that you, you frame there because I have found that if you have that set of questions or you have this, this process you run through, eventually right. you, you, you kind of start finding the same, like same objections will appear or the right. same buying questions will appear because you know what you're looking for. Um, you know, I, I feel like the sales reps that just wing it often find themselves in the most trouble because they can score a big deal and not know how they did it and be unable to, <laughs> to duplicate it. Um, or right. likewise, they could be on a, on a run of bad luck and not know how they've done that. Um, you know, there is something to be said. You know, we the show has a a following who listens that uh, you know, and, and I've shared this. Right, the catapulting commissions we we tailor. We're talking to to high level sales professionals, high level sales executives. But over the past six months to a year, we've we've picked up a following of people who are new to sales. Uh, okay. So they're so they're new to sales. They come from a direct sales background or they're getting into direct sales. So, you know, you and I have these uh, official B2B corporate America trained sales backgrounds. Um, mm -hmm. I get a I get a group now that I've been working with and, and I have a couple clients that I've coached and mentored in direct sales that didn't have that quote unquote former sales training, but now they find themselves in a sales career. Right. Uh, one of the one of the questions that I think uh, comes to mind and I don't know if if newer sales reps and I think even tenure sales reps forget the the power of asking the right questions. But there's often this disconnect between what a sales professional is saying versus what our prospect or client is hearing. Right. So we say something, our prospect might not hear it the same way or or they may have completely ignored the message we're trying to send. How do salespeople do that differently? How do we do that effectively? We're, we're ensuring 
our communication is what we're saying is what's being heard. Well, you know, and thank you for asking that, Anthony, because that's the magic, right? That's the that's the real magic is 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 or what you saying and what your clients hearing is that's the only way that you get through to each other. And I think the the real question is is and I've got a saying that is a stop and say, does that make sense? Is the question that I'll ask and I'll stop in the middle of a presentation or in the middle of a discussion point, if I'm talking about something and I'm telling you a story or we're talking about a product, I'll find a point where it makes sense for me to stop and ask, does that make sense? And the saying that I always followed up with is, because my mind moves faster than my mouth. And so what's in my mind, I know is not coming out of my mouth the same way. So when I stop and ask somebody, does that make sense? What happens is, is it forces me to shut up <laughs> gives them an opportunity to process the information that I'm sharing with them. And then you can follow it up with, if they say, well, yeah, it makes sense or, or no, it doesn't. Either way, you can follow it up and say, well, what questions do you have? That gets them to start talking to you. And really the power of finding out where your client's head is, is the more you can get them to talk to you about what they're thinking and about what, they're, what they hear from you, the more you're gonna understand what, what's going on in their mind, and then you can tailor your presentation to fit that. Does that answer the question that you're asking, Anthony? Yeah, I really like the, the, the pause. Does that make sense? I, I love the question, simple, profound, but it does force us, the salespeople, and I think about the new salesperson who's already nervous with what they're saying, but when you ask somebody, does this make sense? It's like an instant feedback. It's like an instant checkup. And right. what I sharing to you, are we hearing? Um, yeah, that, that's that. I like that. I, I can think of numerous deals where I failed the deal, or I didn't close the deal, or I messed up. And almost one hundred percent certainty, I would say the mistake was I never paused to say, "Does this make sense?" I was just so excited, right? You just get so excited for that sales yeah. deal, um, and and, and it, it happens. Yeah. It happens to tenured sales professionals when when they have these big deals. They get so excited because there's like the massive seven, eight-figure deals. The commission's huge. Right. They word vomit. New sales right. professionals, they do it on their first one because they're so nervous. They also word vomit. So we're not alone in that space of of trying to connect those dots of, of hey, does that make sense? When you right. ask that, though, doesn't there a sign a a awkward pause or silence that comes up is, is that something that sales reps should embrace? Should they be nervous about that? I mean, there's people who sometimes aren't comfortable with that, that pause that comes or the, the uncertainty of the unknown. Cause now I'm asking the question and maybe everything I just shared to you didn't resonate. So what do you have to say to that person? Well, I think when the pause is awkward is uh, when, I mean, when you don't give your client an opportunity to process that information, you've got to give your client an opportunity to process it. And, and something that you said, Anthony, and and look, I, I promise you the reason that I know this stuff is because I've done it all wrong a hundred times. It's not, it's not, it just didn't appear, right? I mean, we learn this stuff by making mistakes. And so, well, the only reason a pause is awkward is, is if you don't have enough confidence to, to let your client process and digest the information that you said. If you don't know what you're talking about, then that process, that pause may be awkward. But the reality of it is, is we talk too much. <laughs> That's what salespeople do. We talk too much because we, and especially when we're new, the reason we talk too much 
is because we're so excited to tell you what we've learned. We're so excited to share with you all this great stuff that we know. And I mean, just like being in school, right? You can't process everything your teacher tells you. Your client's not going to process everything you tell them. So give your client a chance to breathe. You shouldn't feel awkward about it. Now, if it's a 10-minute pause, then maybe your client's checked out and you might want to check their heartbeat. But if you're engaging with your client and you're asking them to give you some feedback or some or or participate, they're going to, but you got to be willing to give them a chance to do it because everybody processes information at a different rate. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode. I hope you're enjoying what you have heard thus far. Have you heard the good news? The international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions, has been named a 2021 Selling Power Magazine book recommendation. And I want to thank you, the Catapulting Commissions family. You can claim a free copy by texting hello to 661-228-8967. You can also find out more information at catapultingcommissions.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. Answer the question that you're asking? Yeah, 100%. 100%. And when we when we acknowledge that people process things at a different rate, you know, I think it shows a high, higher level of, of business acumen or sales acumen. And it's just, you know, it's a simple way for a new sales rep to say, I'm going to demonstrate a higher level of sales or business acumen by simply pausing and asking a question and, and being okay right. with this, with this, you know, this silence that comes and the uncertainty of not knowing. So, so I love that direction you're going there. You know, Lon, I want to, I want to pivot something on you here. So yeah, you've, you've, you have a tremendous background with sales uh, professionals and, and seeing teams and, and, and leading teams and understanding what it takes to be successful in this career we call sales, right? And we have this perceived perception that uh, salespeople, why salespeople sometimes have a hard time saying, I work in sales. And and I know that because it's, you say you work in sales and there's always this stigma that comes with it. You're going to try to sell me something. Uh, there's people who work in direct sales, and they're like, oh, I don't want to say I work in direct sales or network marketing. There's people who work in car sales. Oh, I don't want to say I work in car sales. When someone asks me what I do for a living, I literally respond, I work in sales. Like, I just, I, I own it. But right. I'm also pretty Teflon at this point. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> it doesn't take much to not Google my name and see that I love sales. This is what I do. Why right. does society have this perception that sales professionals aren't trustworthy. Like, where does that coming from and how do we get rid of that just in our day-to-day lives? Well, I think there's two things, right? Um, the first thing is, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, is is that, you know, there's there's a small percentage of sales professionals that, that aren't trustworthy. And those are the people that get the headlines. Those are, you know, Bernie Madoff makes the news. Anthony Garcia doesn't make the news because he made Becton Dickinson hundreds of millions of dollars or Lon Graham doesn't make the news because he, you know, contributed to the profitability of Arthrex or Novartis or whatever. You know, the good stuff doesn't make the news. What makes the news is the things that get people's eyeballs and create, you know, create tension. So that, you know, just like every profession, there are some bad actors and those are the things that get the most attention. The second thing though, is it goes back to what we talked about before is, is the amount of turnover. And so I don't necessarily think that it's that people don't trust you. It's they don't know if they can trust you because they don't know you and they don't know if you're coming back. And it's, you know, and then that, so that 
trustworthiness isn't really about the trust. It's about, I don't know if I can trust you. And I don't know if you're going to come back. And again, if we're talking about nine out of 10 people have less than a year of sales experience, it's, it's likely you're not coming back. And the person that was before you was there less than a year. And the person before you was there less than a year. Why do they think you're going to stay more than six months or a year, right? So it's really this credibility more than trustworthiness, I think. Um, and consistency, how do you keep showing up, you keep showing up the same way. And one thing I think salespeople can do, and it goes back to a question that you asked earlier, what can a new salesperson do to earn trust early is say, I don't know. Mm. And I think people are reluctant to acknowledge that they don't know something. And you say, you know what, I don't know that, but if I, if you give me a chance to find out, this is how I can follow up. What's the best way to get get you that information? email, call, you want me to come back and see you, whatever. But I think early young sales professionals especially struggle because they see it as if I don't know something, then they're going to call me out. They're going to think I'm terrible. And that's not true at all. They just want to know that they can believe you. And by saying, I don't know, figuring out how to get back to your client and then doing it in the way that they told you to do it, that's huge credibility builder. That develops a huge amount of trust because you're coming back and if you deliver it in the way that they told you to, they know you're listening to them. I I love I love that response, and I love having that conversation with somebody where we don't know. It it is it is one of those things where I have I have coached and mentored people in in different sales industries that have high consequences. So if you think, you know, I have a background in medical, I've also worked with people who work in software and coding. And when I right. simply say, I, I tell some of these people that work in these technical skills, I'm like, if you give the wrong advice and someone execute on what you do, are they going to make a mistake? And, you know, in in, in transactional sales, and, and, and bear with me, Catapulta Commission's family, if you're in a transactional sales, this is not <laughs> a, a dish at you. But if I'm in a transactional sales and I'm going to sell you a product, I'm going to sell you a widget or something like along those lines, and I make a mistake, yeah, I made a mistake. I got a pissed off customer. Ah, you're okay. But if I work in, in in healthcare, I work in in technical sales, software sales, and the analogy I was using was with a client who works in, in, in software. If I tell somebody the wrong information and they go and they code something or they believe something that I sold them can work accordingly, what are the consequences? They're grave, huge consequences. So at that point in time, it's best to say, I don't know the answer to your question. Let me get back <laughs> right. to it. Uh, so I love I love how you said that right there. You know, I don't know the answer to your question. Uh, it does. It's, it's one of these things we talk about, like the keys to acumen, right? And, and building early acumen is sometimes having the profoundness to say, "I'm going to pause and I'm going to tell you I don't know," um, which which I love. And those are two philosophies you shared with us in the show today. I think that's awesome. You know, Lon, we talked about the turnover rate, one third in the world of sales leadership right now. That's a big challenge. Like let's just let's just flip yeah. flip, flip roles right now, right? Yeah. You and I are salespeople. I get it. I've been there. Um, I was very, very fortunate over my entire sales career. I never really, um, I never really experienced like that turnover thing. Like I wasn't a turnover rep. I never worked for one company for a shortened period of time. Like I, I learned, I built a craft and I was like, I, and for me to ever leave or do something like somebody had to like, it had to be grave, substantial and, and different things of that nature. Um, right. How does sales leadership today retain their people so they don't deal with that one third rate. Like what are some of the keys to building, you know, that loyalty and that longevity for somebody in a sales career? 
Well, I think there's a couple of things that you've got to do. One, you've got to hire to fit your culture and hire to fit what your your organization. Um, and I think sometimes, and I've seen it, and I've probably done it more than it, than I can count, is you hire for a role because you need to hire for that role. And sometimes, you know, what it, it's it's long to hire and short to fire, right? Take a long time to hire somebody and make sure that that person's one what you're looking for. Two, if you have if you operate in teams, get your teams involved in the hiring process. The people that are going to work with them, you know, when I was a, a regional sales manager in surgical sales, I would have a say a candidate go out and spend a day in the field with one of our, you know, with one of our sales professionals, one of the people on the team. And get some feedback because a day in the field now you're gonna you're gonna now you're going to you know get a better understanding of that person's personality. They're gonna let their they're they're gonna be more about who they are, and you're gonna find out what they're interested in. So I think hiring for your organization and hiring for character culture. And then the other thing too is. What's important to me is once you get the right person in the role, try and reduce as many barriers to access and entry as a leader that you can. The more you can create an opportunity for your sales professionals to be in front of the people that are going to buy from them, and the easier that you can make it to do that, you know, try and remove as many of those barriers as possible. Administrative work, paperwork, meetings, calls, you know, the stuff that gets in their way, the, in, in sales especially, the less that you can require of them and especially when people are in a commissionable sales environment because that's where their money comes from so the, the the more you get them away from their clients and the people that could potentially buy from them you're cutting into their ability to to make a living so i think those two things are important getting getting the right people in and then give them the opportunity to be successful and when they are recognize that recognize that that success yeah salespeople is funny right we love recognition and it's just, <laughs> it, it, it's so funny right. you said that. I've had so many conversations with tenured sales professionals that are like, oh, I think recognition's stupid. I don't need to be recognized. Okay, let them put up a good month and don't send an email talking about how great they are. They're like, what the hell? Like, did I, did I not right. do something? And, 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 and it's, <laughs> it's, it's of all tenures, new tenures, newer in their tenure, 20 or 30 years professionals, right. male, female, it doesn't matter. I've heard it from every type of person where the moment you take recognition away, they love that. Uh, they, they want it back. But right. I love what you said, the, the two parts, right? right? Hire the right fit and then eliminate right. obstacles, like help them be successful, which if we really look at the the pure principle of, of why people buy products, I tell people all the time, I'm like, someone's buying your product because it's easy to use and it makes their life easy. Like, that's it. Like, there's no there's there's no right. magic whistles here. Is, is your product easy to use? Does it make my life easy? And if it does, yes and yes, um, then yeah, that's probably something I should do. Well, that same thing for salespeople because it, uh, it, it is a challenge in sales leadership. You're right. You have these reports. You have this administrative work that has to get done. And if I task that on to my salespeople and they're spending time doing that, they're not right. driving revenue. They get paid and, and incentivized to drive revenue. Uh, so there's a, yeah, it's a fine balance. So I love that direction of what you're saying. Uh, um, you know, hire the right fit, make the job easy for them and give them some recognition along the way. So I think that's a good, good traction there. Uh, Can Lauren, I add one more thing? Yeah, Can please I add do. one more thing? Um, and, and this is my my philosophy because again I you know like you I've got a I've got 15 years in healthcare in healthcare sales 
So my perspective on the sales professional is they're the connective tissue between the client and the company. They're that what what brings those two together. And the more you can give them the opportunity to do that, the better it's going to be for both sides, for both the client and the company. So, you know, I think that that's that's so important to give them an opportunity to be to be that connective tissue and to bring the company and the client closer together. Mm. Mm, I do. I like that. They are. It is the bridge. It's the bridge that brings us all together. And I love I love how you say that. Well. Lon, I love having you on the show. I, 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 you know, one of the things we do with Catapults Commissions, we bring people back down the road. So I'm definitely going to reach out to you down the road and bring you back on the show to hear how things are going on. As we, awesome. uh, as as we wrap up, how does the Catapults Commissions family learn about you? Learn to work with you? Kind of give us this is uh, this is the highlight of how to find Lon. Sure, the two best things. One, you can go to longgram.com and there's information about me and and my speaking business and consulting business there, and you can reach me through that. And then I post weekly on LinkedIn too. So, you know, look me up on LinkedIn and either follow or, or send a connection request and we can we can develop a relationship that way as well. Fantastic. Catapult to Commissions family. Be sure to go check out Lon. His website's LonGram.com. Uh, I will have his link to uh, his LinkedIn profile also on there and you'll see everything. I mean, I'm just looking at Lon's website right now. You guys jump on there. He has this four-part framework that he talks about the four C's for success. Choose, commit, connect, and celebrate. I definitely think that there is a lot to learn when working with somebody that has the tenure of Lon. And and more importantly, right, you find people who commit their life and enhancing the quality of the sales industry. Take advantage of that, right? You don't have to go into this business alone. You have resources. You have a team. Uh, Lon, I wish you nothing but abundant success in the future, my friend. Thank you for joining the show. Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate it. A lot of fun. Appreciate you having me, buddy. Glad to have you on. Catapults Commissions family, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment, and I will see you next week. Catapulting Commissions family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commissions Podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commissions, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.